0: 1 Corinthians 14, beginning with verse 31. 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty-one. It says, for you can all prophesy, which is really important because everybody can. Now, he's saying because all of you can, this is how it should be done. For you can all prophesy one by one that all, everyone, see that all may learn And all may be encouraged. I'm going to stop there for just a moment and tell you a a couple things that are are going to spring off of this. And people have asked me this through the years and and, and just as things come to mind, it'll probably be in the notes somewhere. If I don't follow the notes exactly tonight, I'll probably frustrate those that will watch this more by DVD later than you. But it says you can all prophesy one by one, but the important part here is that all may learn. And uh, we have asked uh, for a certain process that I'll mention here in just a moment for words to be released into the congregation. And one of the reasons why is that most prophecy happens when the band's playing or the worship team's going. And if it just comes out of the floor, out of a seat somewhere, uh, sometimes it can't be heard. And if it can't be heard, then all cannot be edified and all cannot be encouraged and so a part of my responsibility as a shepherd is, is just not to let a lone voice in some place in the sanctuary cry out <laughs> like John the Baptist in the wilderness. And they have a perfectly legitimate word of the Lord, but I can't hear it because I got monitors running here and the other people in church can't hear it because they're in the middle of worship. And so we, we have a certain process or order that we have in order that that can be uh, released in such a way that all can possibly do it but that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So just just so you're following me. Sometimes you know you get into larger works and people get frustrated when they say that you know the Holy Ghost is getting hamstrung here. Well, it may be that he is, but but don't let a protocol necessarily be the reason that you think that Holy Spirit isn't allowed to have freedom. That if 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 we had a thousand seats here, you can easily see that somebody all of a sudden prophesying on the front row and his voice is going one direction and nine hundred and ninety-nine people are behind him, it might be difficult for all to hear, right? So so that that protocol isn't against the Holy Spirit. It's trying to help facilitate what the Spirit is doing. Now let's let's go to verse 32. It says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So what that says to us here is that whatever's stirring around it in someone that's fixing to prophesy is that it, it, it can come under authority. I've had people say, well, you know, when it comes, I can't, I, I, I just got to say it. I can't stop it. It's just going to come out. And there's no way it's going to stop. Well, then you're violating the word because it says here you, you can be subject. It, it can be yielded. It can be submitted. And um, we'll talk more about this in just a moment. I'm just giving you the verses that some of these concepts come from. Uh, Then verse 33, it tells us why. Because God is not the author of confusion. It literally means that word confusion means disorder. In other words, God has an order. If he's not the author of disorder, then conversely, he must be the author of order. So there is an order in the Lord, all right? It says that he's not an author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. And then we'll leap over to verse 40. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. All right. In Ephesians chapter 1, why don't we turn over there real quickly? Ephesians 1 and verse 10, there's an interesting verse that I ran across several years ago um, that uh, when I began to sort of study it out and and read it in the original and and began to see what Paul was trying to communicate here, it it spoke to me uh, along these regards. He begins Ephesians one by talking about how uh, you know we've been blessed with all spiritual blessing. He'll he'll eventually reach to the place where he says we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. He talks about the benefits here in Ephesians of of being united uh, with Christ. Um, in verse 8, if I just went up a couple of verses, it said, He made us to abound, which He made to abound, His grace abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That word prudence can literally be translated understanding. Wisdom and understanding. It says in verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of His will. So, in other words, I, you know, I live with a lot of mysteries still in the kingdom. But the scripture tells me that a lot of mystery as as I walk with him. the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And then verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. And. As I was reading that verse, verse 10 one time, and I came across that phrase, dispensation of the fullness of times. You know, the fullness of times, the f- fullness is, is the word pleroma in the Greek, which actually means that which, it, it, it means more than just like if you had a glass and it was full to the top of, of water or liquid. But pleroma actually means bubbling over. It's, it's full bubbling over, the fullness of times. And so the fullness of times means that there's coming a moment when God's going to move in people's lives and it's going to bubble over. I mean, it's not just you're full, you're bubbling over. And, and, and in the church as well, that, that his spirit can move and we will bubble over. But he says in the dispensation of the fullness of times. And that word dispensation does not just mean era or a time period, but it's literally the word oikonomia. And, and if we could break, you know, a lot of times in, in, in Bible languages, what they did was they took Greek words and they jammed some together. And, and so it, it was literally a contraction of sorts, oikonomia. Oika, oikos literally means house, nomia means law, nomos. That's where it came from. And, and, and so it says house law. That's what you would just roughly translate. House law, what does that mean? Well, you would infer some things. Law of the house is what it probably would be more easily rendered, or what we would come to understand as order of the house. An order of the house. It's not true, all of you that have a house here, do you not have some order in your house? Come on, some of you ladies, you got a law of the house, don't you? Sure you do. There are certain things that you do and you don't do in your home. Take your shoes off before you come. That's a law of the house. You know, there's certain things that just work. Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying that in, in, in those moments, as the, as the Holy Spirit's bubbling over and, is, and, and as there's this incredible uh, uh, fullness that is there, he says in the dis- there's still an order of the house. There's still the law of the house in the fullness of times. So you see, actually, church was never meant to be like the Wild West and this chaotic anarchy that sometimes people sort of misinterpret to be the Holy Ghost. Now, the time period we're in, we don't see that as much, but some of the you that were a part of the renewal movement back in the 80s and early 90s, I mean, I was in some pretty wild services. I mean, it was wild. And every, and I listened to some people go away from it and go, that was God, and I walked away and said, well, I don't know if I blame God for all of that or not. I don't know. And maybe it was. I Who who am I to to, to judge some things? But the point being is, that I'm trying to make, is that it is not anti-God to have an order in the house and to still see the fullness of the Holy Spirit move. Now, I'm not going to take you through this history lesson uh, that I have on your notes concerning Montanus. Uh, He's an interesting guy. I basically tell the story just to let you know that since early church history, there's always been these great discussions over you know, freedom and how much freedoms in corporate settings should there be and how much liberty is real liberty, but yet how much is anarchy. There have been these questions for centuries, literally, in the church. And so I I want to address this because we are a spirit-filled church. I do not want the Holy Ghost sitting in a closet somewhere that we don't want people to know about until they're members and they're tied in and then maybe we'll sneak it in on them. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, nothing gets done. People don't get saved unless the Holy Spirit shows up. So, so the Holy Ghost is, is of incredible importance to me. And uh, he needs an upfront and center, uh, uh, you know, value. And, and uh, you know, we, we need to venerate his, his ministry in our midst. But there are certain things that I want to address with regards to that, that for some of you that come from a more formal background, uh, you may like it because you're hearing order, and you like orderly things. Some of you that may come from a more free type background, uh, you may hear something different in all of this. I, 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 as a pastor, I have to find a way to bring to bring order to the house that I've been called to shepherd. And so we're going to talk some more about that. Now let's dispel certain myths here. There's there's myths that have that have grown within the church that need to be dispelled. There's one myth that order. Is somehow control and that and that the other side of the myth is that freedom is anarchy there are two sides to this equation there are some people who believe that anytime you bring order to something you're controlling them your kids you shouldn't control your kids but but there's an appropriate place that you bring order to your kids and you bring order to their lives. And that order isn't to harm them. That order is to help them ultimately, if you're a good parent, get to their destiny. And, and so you've got to break out of this, this, this mentality that says, anytime time I'm asked to function within a boundary or anytime time I'm asked to function within some guidelines. And, and most of the time around here, we do our best to bring suggestions to people. And But I, I've learned through the years that folks have a hard time taking They think suggestion means I can take it or leave it. So I've tried to break out of suggesting because most of the time when I suggest, I mean it. <laughs> and I've gotten myself in trouble with that. I've, just, I've It's been my own fault. But, but what we try to do is, is try to gently bring order to a house. And, and, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Uh, there's no doubt, though, that you can order something to the point you've quenched the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I recognize that. You can, you can so order something that there's no spontaneity. And you, you don't want that. But... but but someone's got to make that call, and, and that's why we have pastors. Now, you know, freedom, uh, some people then think maybe freedom is anarchy. Now, here's what, here's what I, I just like, I'll make mention of it here, and, and I, hopefully you can see this, is that we, we allow people the liberty, and it took a while, but we've given liberty for people to come down here and worship God. And... And there's an order to that, believe it or not. And those of you that have been here now for, I don't know, we've done it for a year or two, maybe. I don't know how long we've been doing it now. But, but, but there's, there's an order to that. People know they come, they worship God, it's in order. But I can tell you the minute anarchy starts, a lot of times it'll start with the kids. Because parents aren't parenting and they need to parent their kids, because what happens is the kids come down, and they see us worshiping God with liberty, but because they don't have maturity yet, they think that it's playtime, and that... What that does is it develops anarchy. And so what I'm simply saying to those of you, especially with young children, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to have young children learn to worship God. They need to wor- learn to worship God somewhere. My children learn to worship God next to me. And I can tell you right now, Tracy will tell you, when we were in worship service, I'd look at my kids, and you know, we were worshiping God, and they'd be sitting there like this, and I'd look at them and say, get the hands up. And I'd have them look at me, didn't we? We'd say, put your hands up. And they'd look at me like... Phew. What are you doing? I'm teaching you to worship. Put your hands up. <sighs> good, good. Keep doing that and eventually it'll feel right. Until now, my, you know, my kids will raise their hands and they'll worship. But they had to be taught that. They had to be taught that they couldn't do like others and treat it like it was mass anarchy. And so we had to teach them that if the things were out of bounds, they learned. And we had to teach them this. So as parents, that's what we do. We teach them these things, okay? So order is not necessarily control. Freedom is not necessarily anarchy. The second myth is this one, that the phrase the Lord told me somehow trumps spiritual authority or protocol. Um, You know, a lot of times, especially in your personal life, And if it's just in a counseling-type setting or, or just in a conversation, if you look at me and say, well, the Lord told me, most of the time I'm going to look at you and say, well, God bless you. Who am I to disagree with the Lord? But if you come in a setting that I'm in authority over and God put me in authority over and you say the Lord told me, that's a different story because now the Lord's got to tell me too. Okay? And, and that, and that just because, and some people do that to trump people all the time. They'll just, they use that phrase. In fact, I would caution you, don't be flippant with the Lord told me, because if the Lord told you something and then you do it, and then it ends up being really not so hot a thing, then what are you going to do? Then the Lord told you this. I've, I've seen people, the Lord told me to do this and then they do it and it falls apart. And then they'll say, the Lord told me to do this. And then, and then, and all of a sudden the Lord's telling them and I look at their life and I say, well, the Lord must be super confused. Really? Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying they aren't sincere or they aren't genuine, but I'm just saying we flippantly throw that the Lord told me. I want you just to think, and, and in the coming days, months, years, hopefully, just listen to how many times, though, I would say, I say, the Lord told me. I use that phrase. You're going to find out that phrase doesn't come out a lot. I may say, I sense, I felt moved. I mean, I'm going to, you know, I understand I can miss it too, but we got to be real careful because if you say the Lord told you, then we'll see. But, but it doesn't trump spiritual authority. Yeah, it, it, yeah, we call it the spiritual card because once you're in an argument and then you say, well, the Lord told me, well, there's the card you just dropped. You trumped everything. Go for it. If it's your personal life. Now, if it, if it involves this, that's a different story. You see, your 10-year-old child can't come up to you and say, I'm not going to eat dinner tonight. The Lord told me. Well, why is that? Why is that? Be, be, because he's not in charge of your house, right? Now, maybe it works in some houses. I don't know. It wouldn't have worked in my house. So so we've got to realize that there's in these things. These things aren't contrary to his moving. Ministry was never meant to be uncoordinated or chaotic. In fact, is it not interesting that when Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts, and he talks about how it works within the body of Christ, he imaged it to the natural body. He said things like, you know, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Remember that? And and he's talking about how the body's coordinated. You know why it's coordinated? You know why your body's coordinated? You know why when you will get up from this seat in just a moment and you'll walk out and you'll get into your car and you'll drive home and then you'll get ready to go to... That happens is because you have a head. And the head... We hope, yes, <laughs> we hope. <laughs> and that head coordinates the rest of your body. Does it not? It coordinates your body. And, and we automatically know if, if something's having a seizure, do we not know that something's wrong with that body? If, if my arm was doing this, you would look at me and say, there. why is that? Because this is out of coordination, all right? And, and, and so even within the body of Christ now we all know that Jesus Christ is the head but he has delegated his authority in order to give oversight to the areas of which he's in charge of so that's another myth there's another myth here that says that every church should have the same order as another those of you that have church experience you will know probably that you can go to five churches and you'll see five different ways that service happens I'm, I'm, I'm just going to set you free. All of them can be God because that's the order of that house. It's just like, it's just like um, here tonight. If you were to come to my house, you know, we're, we're a Christian family, and, and you're a Christian family, and you come to my house, there are certain things we do at my house that you may or may not do at your house. Now, that doesn't make me different, right? Now, I go down to Clay and Bethany's, and I'm just here to tell you, my son, Clayton, will not stand for a dish in the sink. He just isn't going to have it. It just drives him nuts. I go down there, I'll get a glass out, give me something to drink, drink it, set it in the sink, and he goes nuts because that's just not how he works in his house. Now, it's not that our house is bad, but we'll have a few dishes in our sink because we just wait till we get kind of a group, and then we'll clean it up and get it in the dishwasher, and that's how it works in our house now that doesn't make him better and us worse you know some of you you wouldn't care if you had all your dishes (laughs) and it doesn't bother you now that doesn't make you evil doesn't make you bad it's just how you do it it's your house some of you would come into your house and and you'd take put your shoes right up on the coffee table and it wouldn't matter to you one bit other people's houses you better not put your shoes on that piece of furniture are you following me some of you kick your shoes off before you go into certain rooms because you just don't wear shoes in that room. Other houses, it doesn't matter to you. you. You wear your shoes anywhere. Now, all of these houses can love God. All of these houses can be serving the Lord. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, take out all your dishes and get them in the dishwasher quickly. It doesn't say that in the scripture. So are you understanding the order of your house can be different than the order of my house? Hear me now, the order of a church down the street can be different than the order of this church. And it doesn't make them worse or better, nor does it make us worse or better. It just we have a different order and how we feel like ministry is to be made manifest in these things. And so, so, you know, if you understand that, then you can embrace that, and it makes living in that house so much easier because I'm telling you, if I went down to live with my son, how many of you know because that's his house, He pays for it. He's in charge of it. I was going to learn not to leave glasses in the sink. Now, if I'm just visiting, I might get away with it. But if I were to live there, I will assure you he would talk to me. And we'd have to iron that out. And because he's in charge, I have to yield, even though he's my son. Now, if son comes to my house, it's done my way because it's my house. See? You say, well, it's, it's the Lord's house. Sure, it's God's house. It's absolutely, isn't that good? This is God's house. Amen. But I'm the pastor. Say, that's the difference. Say, somebody has been put in authority, all right? Then there's the myth that any revelation the Holy Spirit may release means that it must be released now. People get things and they think it must be. It must be now. I'm not teaching on prophecy, although I have hours of teaching on prophecy, But can I just share this with you? And I've learned this through the years that God speaks to me about a lot of things, but a lot of things that he speaks to me are never meant to be declared. Some of it is meant to be interceded on. In fact, I get a lot of things from the Lord that he tells me, you need to pray. I'm speaking to you. And I know instantly that's not to stand up and declare, it's to be prayed over. I call it letting it bake in my spirit. It really takes a spiritual finesse to begin to understand when you receive something, is it for you? Is it for the person that you think you're hearing for? Is it for everybody? I mean, those are questions that have to be asked because not everything you hear is for everyone. Sometimes it is. It, sometimes it may be. We receive things that people feel like they've got from the Lord and they'll give it to us, and, and sometimes they are released and disseminated because it is for everyone, but sometimes it may not be for everyone. And so we, we, we have to. timing for everything. I believe that, that, that a word fitly spoken in season can bring incredible freedom and release and, and, and break chains off people's lives. But, you know, a word spoken out of season can blow people out of the water. And, 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 and there needs to be a spiritual maturity that understands this um, in order for us to function uh, in, in a way that, that gives honor to God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about protocol here uh, some of you probably have this. We put this out here in on the information desk, and this is really just the quick synopsized version of protocol because we do have people that come from Spirit-filled churches, and they're used to functioning a certain way, and, and maybe the freedoms they're allowed are greater in, in a church that they had come from, and that's great. I'm glad that's how they worked it out there, and that's how their culture was, and this is what's been developed here. And again, it doesn't make that better or us worse or vice versa. It's just how the house works. And so we just created a, a protocol brochure, which is just kind of an easy way for people to understand how these things work within the life of a church. Now, you know, I'm always thinking about these things because I'm always thinking about what, what's God up to, what's he doing? Um, you know, is is there appropriate liberty? We certainly don't want confusion or anarchy. And so that's a that's a constant tape that runs through my My mind as I begin to consider, you know, body life and how things work within body life. And I would encourage you, and of course, uh, all of you are participating in it, but there may be some who later on will see this DVD. The reason we have this vision process, we call it, is because this is one of the ways that I can download the spiritual DNA of the pastor into people's lives. Um, This is one way we can begin to help people uh, understand. You know, the culture that we have and that's been developed here at Legacy, this is one of the ways that we do this in order that people can quickly catch on. So, so, they, so they aren't having to be rebuked, and they aren't having to be constantly corrected, and they aren't having to be, you know, you know guided or, or reproved or, or whatever. Nobody likes that, and I will assure you, I don't, I hate it the most. But at the same time, if it's egregious enough... Sometimes it has to be addressed. And so the vision process actually becomes a great way for all this to begin to be put into people's spirits so they can kind of catch, you know, the order of this local house. The key concept I put down here comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.12. You ought to underline it probably in your Bible. It's the one that I use a lot, and it's this concept. Paul says, know those or recognize those who labor among you. Know those who labor among you. Now, it doesn't mean just know of them; it means to know. It means to know them, to know them in the sense that that you know their spirit, you you know their life, you know what's going on. You have a sense of confidence in them. You have a you have a there's a sense of credibility that comes with that person and that ministry. Um, and and so we function under uh, really the overarching general precept of knowing those who labor among you. And again, one of the reasons there's a vision process and one of the reasons we do what we do. And one of the reasons we sort of take our time in this whole ministry thing, and we don't get real worked up about it or feel like we have to hurry up about it is because it's important to get to know you. Because what I have found out through the years is that people can fake you out for about six months tops. But after six months, you'll begin to see who people really are. Now, That could be good news or that could be bad news because if you're faking it, what happens is is that any sort of character defect or any sort of flaw in doctrine or any sort of uh, uh, issue that's just out of of whack or out of kilter, it it begins to be made manifest because we just aren't created of ourselves to hide that for that long. It's, It's going to come out. So, so at, at least six months, and then after that six-month period, you can begin to see where people are at. That doesn't, again, it doesn't make them evil, doesn't make them bad, doesn't make them disqualified. But what happens is, is that then you know the areas of their life that need to come into order or need to be circumscribed, you know, need to be addressed in order that when, when they're released, there can be a confidence in what's being released. Now, I'll say this again. There's nobody who's perfect in all of this. Nobody expects perfection, errorlessness. Nobody's errorless. But at the same time, we do know that there needs to be sort of a consistency and faithfulness and stability and and a a uniformity in the sense that that you're not hearing one thing over here in a small group, and then doctrinally you hear just something totally else from the pulpit. I mean, and that's not to say we can't disagree on some things, but there are some things that are genuinely important that we got to be on the same page about. So this is the reason why we have the processes we have. Not everybody understands that. I know you can go to churches, and if you show up and you're there two weeks in a row and you breathe, I mean, you're ready to do, you know, you're ready to go, you know, teach the masses. I mean, and that's how they do it? Okay, that's how they do it. Uh, I, I don't know that I feel comfortable with that process. Others do. We bless that, but this is the order of this house. Now, let me give you some things because with regards to the prophetic word, that's the most often used word, and I'm just using that. You know, There's, there's all sorts of aspects of ministry, but I'm just going to, to speak towards the prophetic word Uh, because that sometimes is the one that stirs the most within the congregation and I've found through the years can, can be the one that finds disorder or anarchy. Number one is my preference is that words are covered. That's my preference as a pastor. We like to hear things if we have to review it on tape or recorded. That's why we sometimes like to have it in a microphone. It's helpful if everybody hears it. And it's helpful if, if we're recording, we have a way to look back on it. If it is a word from God, it's something that probably needs to be reviewed. It's something that needs to be meditated on. It, it, it brings accountability to it. And so so we like that words are covered. And, and we want someone of authority who can listen to the word for accuracy. Now, uh, again, we go through, it seems like we go through seasons here. It seems like we'll have seasons where there's not much Activity with regards to the prophetic, and then we'll go through a season where there's a lot of things being spoken. And, and I think that's just God's way. He just speaks some things and then he leaves it and says, Okay, let's, let's let that work in you. Obey that. Walk in faith with that. You know, you don't need a word a week. I mean, you, you, you need to do what you just heard. And, and so I, I think, with regards to at least my viewpoint, that's how God does it. And, and I believe he doesn't mind if authority. Uh, has heard that, and it can witness to their spirit as well. I also believe it protects the speaker and the receiver from erroneous accusation. I cannot tell you how many times I've had problems, and, and, and again, this is through the years, and I haven't probably faced these problems in a few years. But someone will come in and say, you know, someone spoke a word to me or they counseled me or they shared with me or they said they felt like this was from the Lord and and I thought they were out to lunch and they're a fruitcake and they're a nut and I'm just telling you it's bugging me and near to dear to dear. And I'll go to the person and I'll say to the person that, that gave the word, Well, uh, you know, the the folk that just came to visit me, they said this. Well, I didn't say that. I said this and, and they heard that wrong and here to dear. And you know what? We don't know what you said and we don't know what they heard. All we know is, is that you say one thing, they say another thing. Now, I understand sometimes people hear things that aren't said. And some people say things that they don't remember. And, and the whole point I'm trying to say is, is that if we're going to take this seriously, if you're going to run around and say, thus saith the Lord, then you better be sure that that's covered. Because if, if you say something's from the Lord and your track record, if you, if you start batting, you know, everybody, everybody's allowed you know, a few misses. You know, the scripture says that we don't stone prophets anymore that miss it. You know, in the Old Testament, you missed it. They stoned you. I would imagine that kept people from just shooting their mouth off. I mean, I'm just taking a shot at that one. But it changes in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you know, we're not throwing rocks at everybody. You understand that. I mean, we kill a lot of people in the Old Testament for a lot of reasons. I mean, if your child was incorrigible, you could stone them. (laughs) I'll let that one go. I mean, but there's all sorts of, of death penalty offenses in the Old Testament. Is that not true? Well, well why is it we don't do that anymore? Because you, you'll, you'll hear all the skeptics and the secularists, they'll always go to the Old Testament and they'll go, well, why didn't you do this? You know, you're against homosexuals. What do you want to do? You want to go back and throw stones at them and kill them? And they're just stupid people. Because the New Testament doesn't tell us that. Jesus came and he said, I didn't come... Uh, to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. And what that meant was is that he came to bring life to that which was bringing death. So we no longer stone incorrigible kids. We bring them under correction and the rod of reproof. We no longer stone false prophets. It says the word is to be weighed and it is to be judged. Jesus showed us how this worked when they threw the woman uh, uh, that was in adultery and they were ready to stone her. And and as he's riding in the sand, remember, they all dropped their stones and they went their separate way. And a lot of people misinterpret that whole whole story that that was going on there. Jesus wasn't letting her off the hook of her sin. All he simply said was, woman, where are your, your accusers? I don't accuse you anymore. But then listen to what he said. He said, go and sin no more. So, Jesus wasn't giving us a card to sin, nor was he giving them a card to throw stones. He was simply saying that in redemption, things can be restored and can be redeemed. And so, there's a whole different way that we bring interpretation uh, to these things. Uh, I don't know where I was going with all of that, but the point being was, go ahead. Or that they get a covering. Well, for instance, if you feel like you have a word for somebody, why don't you grab one of our leaders or something and you know all of our leaders and just say, you know what, I feel like I got something I want to share with this person. And 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 of course we can't tape everything, so bring them, bring someone with you so they can hear it too. And 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 they can judge it and cover it. And that's safe that's safe for both people then. Because they can't accuse you of saying something you didn't say. And, and, and if and it comes up, you said something that was out of bounds, you, you have someone, and, and they won't, I don't think they'd embarrass you, but they might look at you and say, you know, I might, I might think about how you would do that. And, and hopefully you'd be open to, to instruction and, and gain some maturity in that area. Uh, you know, I do that. I, I'm allowed to go to churches. I'll be going... Uh, here in a couple of weeks to a church, and they want me to function prophetically there, and I'm happy to do that. But I asked the questions. Number one is I'm going to another campus, and so I asked the question, is there going to be a pastor there? And I was told, well, no. I said, well, how do you want that handled? And they gave me liberty. They said, well, we're going to go ahead and give you liberty to do that, and, and, and it'll be put into a microphone, and it'll be recorded, and it will still be covered. But, but you just don't take that on. You, you should... You should ask. There's a protocol of that house. In fact, I've, I use that very word with Rick. I said, what's your protocol here? I mean, how do you want this handled? And we went through all of these things. Because, you see, I'm not in charge there. I may get a word and say, thus saith the Lord, but but he's in charge. It's his house, see. I just can't throw my dishes in his sink. He wants his dishes taken care of in a special way, Okay. And that's good. That's how it should be. And you know what? God will move powerfully in that. In fact, I believe God smiles in that. All right? I put public words are to be released through a microphone. Uh, I already mentioned this. Um, most of the time what happens is, and I don't mind this, I have no problem with people actually prophesying. Most of the, most of the time I get it via handwritten notes. If I, if I get it, and, and I'm fine with that, I'm fine with getting a note and letting the person talk into a microphone if we feel like it needs to be released that way. Uh, usually, uh, you know, my wife will take care of that because I'm usually up here when it happens and, and she's functioned with me for years in this. So so she's got a great sense of of what needs to happen and if she feels like it's a potential release, she'll walk up and, and whisper in my ear or do whatever it takes to get my attention and and we will handle it that way. Um, I also put down here, uh, many times people receive a personal word during worship and mistakenly believe it's a word for everyone. I believe this happens a lot. When we're worshiping God, that he'll start speaking to you. And, 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 I, and I believe that, I, I, I can't put a percentage on it, but can I just say that he's probably talking to you more than he's talking to us? Because how many of you know, God's been talking to me all week about talking to us? Are. Now, that's not to say it isn't. That, that may not be the case, but the protocol, you know the protocol. You come and, and you either synopsize it in an ear or, or if you want to write it down in general precept, and, you know, we'll deal with it from that point. I put down here, people who have a track record will eventually enjoy greater liberty. What happens is is that as God begins to move in this regard and we begin to see that there's value... Uh, a valid gift that's in operation, and as you're willing to have your, your, your spirit submitted, as it says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, when that's evidence, then what happens is greater liberty comes. It's the same thing you do with your kids. As they prove themselves in certain areas, they're granted greater liberty. And until they abuse it or misuse it, you know, you, you're, you're happy to give that kind of liberty. Um, ministry is about trust and confidence, and that takes time. I also believe in what I've called the mailbox principle. What's the mailbox principle? You just deliver the mail. What that means is when you get a word, just give the word. Don't try to interpret it for the person. Don't try to interpret it for the rest of us. That's where people get in trouble because they'll say things. I've learned this through the years that sometimes what I say by the spirit of the Lord, and I'll even think that it means a certain thing, and, and I get in trouble if I go there because I just need to let the word stand on itself because the Holy Ghost will work in the other person and begin to make the application that they need. That's what I call just deliver the mail. Don't try to interpret. Don't follow up on it. Don't go up to him a couple days later. Call him on the phone. Hey, you know that word I gave you? What did you do with it? (laughs) The reason I say this is because it's, it's, it's the mailman. You know, the mailman comes and he delivers letters in your mailbox. Of course, that day is quickly ending. But, you know, the mailman doesn't come by the next day and knock at your door and say, hey, I I saw I put the electric bill in there. I wanted to know if you paid it yet. Well, you look at the mailman and you go, what are you doing, dude? I mean, are you nuts? Well, he's he's just, that's what people do when they give prophecies, when they do that. You you, want to come back and check on the mail. I put down here, don't snoop in other people's mailboxes. I mean, I mean, I mean, sometimes we'll give a word. Listen to me real, real carefully. Sometimes I'll give a word, and this is what I'll do. I'll put my microphone like this, and I'll whisper something in someone's ear. Okay? And the reason I do that is because there may be a sensitive line or two that doesn't need to be declared in a congregation. And when the service is over, please don't go up to them and go, what did pastor say? Now, I know your intention is you want to rejoice with them and encourage them, but, you know, it may be something they really don't want to tell you. Don't snoop in other people's mailboxes. Don't go up to them, what do you think that meant? Come on, I know what I think it meant. And, and all of a sudden, you're their interpreter. Don't just, it's, it's between God and them. So if you, if, you rec- if you see a person receive a word, and even if it was private, don't be nosy. It might embarrass them, all right? So just don't snoop. That's the mailbox principle. You don't go to your neighbors, do you? Open up their mailbox and say, "Oh." Well, actually, that's against the law. Be sensitive to the flow of authority. Correction to people, especially through the prophetic word, is usually best released by those in authority. Um, most, most prophecy is, is for encouragement, edification, and consolation. That's what the Scripture tells us. Now, I do believe that those who are in governmental authority have the ability to bring correction. And so I do believe there can be a corrective prophetic word. But generally, you need to leave correction uh, to those who are in authority. There's an old phrase that I think is generally true. Uh, I call it confess up, minister down. And what that means is, is that if you, have, if, if you have challenges and things you need to get off your chest and you're wanting to share it with somebody, I always, I always share it up. I always share it with those who are over me. The reason I do that is because if I did that, it just, it just messed people up. Now, does that, I'm not in egregious sin. I just want you to know that. I'm holy <laughs> in him. Um, but, but what that does is is that that's where it's, there's, it's safe that way. I don't, you know, it, I think there's an appropriate place to share with your kids, and I think there's an inappropriate place. There are some things they just don't need to know that's going on because they aren't designed to bear that burden. I understand that I'm called as a pastor to bear a certain burden that not everyone else is called to bear. I know everyone thinks at times they can do that, but that's not necessarily true. And and so some things you have to to carry, or if you have challenges, you you confess up. And what I mean by minister down is, again, it's the lines of authority. You know, I'm very careful. If Pastor Rod shows up, I just don't bound up to Pastor Rod and just lay my hands and go, the Lord would say, he's my authority. Now, that's not to say he wouldn't be open to it, but I would probably approach it a whole lot different, saying, you know, Pastor Rod, I, I feel like the Lord might have something for you, would you mind if I shared it with you and you could consider it? And, you know, there, there's a, a, a deference. There's a, you Understand there's a protocol to these things, all right? So, so be careful who you correct, how you do it, and uh, remember that, that we, we do our best to try to encourage and edify. Number six, understand divination and familiarity. I got a couple great messages. It's been a long time. I might have to preach those again, just reading that again. Don't prophesy what you already know from counseling or conversation and put a thus says the Lord on it. That is dangerous. That's called divination, friend. All right? Prophecy is not to be used to flatter, control, manipulate, or orchestrate. Balaam. Balaam is a great example. Balaam is, is, is an example of someone that, that, that when God gave him an inch to do something, he'd always take a mile. You know what that means, don't you? Means you're given just a little bit of liberty, and the minute you're given that liberty, you just you just decide you're going to exploit it. And and I'm telling you, Balaam, Balaam's problem eventually turned into a group called the Nicolaitans, which was a grace heresy that existed in the first century church. And so, uh, so be sure to do that, sweetie. Come on up here. The two minute rule, which is oh, when I give somebody a prophecy, yeah, usually I only prophesy maybe sixty seconds or ninety seconds. Or... Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I understand. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for that. Um, uh, everybody jokes with me about my two-minute deal. I don't know if you've ever heard, but when I let the, some of the guys that have been sharing before the offering, I tell them two minutes, or after encounter, I'll say just take two minutes. My two-minute rule. And the two-minute rule is this: is that is that most people do not have the capacity to keep people's attention for long periods of time. I, I know your story is spellbinding, and I know. And I I know what you have to say is important, but two minutes, number one is, is it shows that you can yield to authority and some boundaries, you know, and then maybe greater liberty will be brought to you. And, And the other thing is, is just the sheer schedule of everything else that needs to take place. I was in a church service one time. I was the guest speaker. I'll just tell you this. I was the guest speaker. I was brought in as the guest speaker and the pastor let a lady who was starting this new ministry, I think to a rest home or something, share. And I I don't know what he said or how he said it, but she was sharing on this ministry, and she was about five minutes into her announcement. Now, I'm not joking when I say five minutes, and if you don't know how long five minutes is, you just time it sometime. It was a good long announcement. Then all of a sudden, this is in service. She looked down where I was sitting, and she goes, I know we got a guest speaker today, but you just might as well relax. I'm going to be here a while. And for 45 minutes... Now, you see, even you know that. And the pastor, you know, and and, and he didn't do anything. And uh, now I guarantee you the first minute she said, you just relax. There would not have been a smile on my face. See, he gave her an inch. She took a mile. No, she took about 45 miles, yeah. Let me see what I'm saying. You know, when I called up this guy again, I've done this now for 27 years. I'll call the pastor up and I'll, and I'll say, how long, how long do you want me to go? Now, a lot of them will say, we don't care. But, and if they say, we don't care how long you go, then my next question is, well, what time are the people used to being released? And you know what? And I know we joke about how long-winded I am here, but you know what? It's, house. it's my house, see? But when I go to his house, no, 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 I'm really sensitized to that. Then lastly, the appropriate timing of ministry. When Sunday morning service is taking place, everyone should be engaged in what is taking place corporately. In other words, our order here is is that there's no prophesying to one another during worship times unless you receive permission. What that means is is that I've, and again, through the years, we're in corporate worship, and and somebody I've seen this will slip out, and they'll go prophesy to somebody that's, and everybody else is in corporate worship. I've had people go to the foyer and want to have a counseling session during corporate worship. This is not that time. You are to be involved in the life of the body, and if it's something that needs to be done or has to be done, it might be released, but You ask permission. It is not, listen to me, it is not, it is better to ask forgiveness than permission. That is not in the Bible. Ask for permission. And you know what? What that demonstrates is is that your heart is yielded. These these are the tangible ways we demonstrate submission and and we demonstrate yieldedness. These are just tangible ways, respectful ways. And I think you will find out that 98% of the time, there's going to be a lot of liberty in that uh, here. And the last thing I put on the back, and I'm not going to go through it, it's just Bill Hammond years ago uh, put together what he called the 10 M's of ministry. And it, and it basically talked about people's lives and those who are in the ministry. And these were the 10 areas that God was going to work on and circumscribe in you in order to cause you to be a credible uh, minister of the gospel, a credible servant of the Lord. And, one, and in our vision statement, one of our values is that we are a credible, spirit filled church reaching the Charleston area. And, uh, and so we endeavor to do that in these ways. So I guess I did take all the time, but um, I think this will help you kind of catch the culture. We want you to, to do that. And as you catch it, And as you begin to assimilate it, I believe you're going to find that God's going to do some amazing things in your life. Honey, anything running through your mind you want to? Okay. Uh, My mind is just, I had to teach that phone call. So I got done teaching the phone call and it's like I've shot all my bullets. And and so now I run in here and go through this one, and I feel like there's no bullets in the gun. So so anyway, so if I seemed a little lackluster, it's because I had to save my luster for pastors all over the nation. Not that you aren't worthy. You You got the best that I had. Amen. All right? Sometimes you don't have as much as you have other times, but you always get the best that I have at that moment. All right, stand with me. I'm going to pray with you, and then we're going to cut you loose. And again, if you if you have ever have questions or stuff, I'd love to visit about this. So uh, you can shoot me an email or ask me, and I promise you uh, it'll, it'll be good. Amen. Father, thank you that we can come to the house of God and there can be safety. That we can feel safe in your house, that we don't have to feel ill at ease. We don't have to wonder if somehow or another something's just going to be out of order, but that there is a sense of divine order. And and Lord, I guess that's really what I'm praying for, that you would give us divine order, not just any order, but divine order. And so Lord, we're going to need your help and we're going to need your leadership and your guidance. I pray for each one that's here tonight. Lord, I pray for their lives in particular, Lord, because I know as they're moving through this process that you're bringing divine order into their life and that out of that order, you're bringing peace you're bringing contentment. You're, you're, you're bringing a sense of safety and stability that's very important. Lord, you're going to be able to move in that in, in powerful ways. And as that works in our lives personally, Lord, it works, I know, corporately in your house. So, Lord, uh, help us to embrace that. Help us to embrace the, the culture that you've established and that you continue to work in. And, and, and Lord, we just, we just want the Holy Spirit to be pleased. That's my heart, Lord. I want him to be pleased. I, I confess, Lord, there are times I'm quite sure that uh, you could be aggravated, but, Lord, I, I, my heart is to please you. So, Lord, I pray that as we endeavor to that end, that you would continue to be kind and gracious and long-suffering and merciful. I know we must stumble, bumble around at it at times, but, Lord, thank you that that you are faithful in this regard, that you're growing us up and you're causing us to be of influence. And that when the hour comes, when shakings happen and challenges occur, that when people look at our lives, they'll be, able, they'll be able to see that divine order and that stability, and they're going to say, I want what you've got. Lord, I believe that with all of my heart. So, Lord, bless your folks as we go our separate ways. Give us a strong end to this week. We anticipate the day of the Lord on Sunday. We honor you, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, guys. Love each other.